If I had known they were going to have a video, I would have worn the uniform. Put on a tie. People are always commenting on my age. So recently, I adopted a slogan from the farmer's insurance company. The slogan is, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. I feel very responsible this afternoon. Responsible because when I received the invitation to speak and was told the general subject was the Sermon on the Mount and that I could have my choice, I snapped my fingers very quickly and said, I want to speak on but I say unto you. And then I realized when the, when the uh, order of services came out that this was introductory. And so I feel responsible to say something this afternoon that will be introductory to the entire weekend. Old preachers are noted for rambling. If I start to ramble, just raise your hand and I'll quit. Shakespeare, in his play Hamlet, said this, to thine own self be true. Thou cannot then be false to anyone. To thine own self be true. I like to start lessons or sermons or whatever with a question. And so here's your question. Are you more like God and Jesus want you to be than you were one year ago? Five years ago? Ten years ago? There are 107 verses in one of the translations of the Sermon on the Mount. 28 of those verses, about a quarter of them, are dedicated to this statement. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. There's some background to this that I think it's important for us to, to know, to understand. And it comes from this fact. Jesus said, I came not to destroy it all, but to fulfill it. And then he turns around immediately 
and says, you have heard it said of old time, you shall not commit adultery. You have heard it said of old time, you shall not kill. Now Jesus just said, just before this, I didn't come to abolish the law. <laughs> then he quotes the law, and he says, but I say unto you. Now, now think about that. Is he actually abolishing the law? I thought I'd better do some studying on this, so I, I started to examine this particular passage of Scripture, and I, I learned something that I guess I knew before, but, but in this context, it really makes sense. The Old Testament closed some 400 years prior to the coming of Christ. For about 500 years, during the latter days of the prophets, Throughout that 400 years, those in responsible positions in Judaism began to examine the law. The simplistic law of Moses given back in, <coughs> in the first days was <coughs> being examined. And they said, simply, that's not good enough. We need to interpret the law. We need to make clear to people when it says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, exactly what that means. And if that means that you don't cook a, cook a meal on a Sabbath day, we'll put that in the law. If that means you can't walk more than a few blocks, on the Sabbath day, we'll put that in the law. So Jesus comes out later on and says to the scribes and the Pharisees, those who are doing that kind of thing, he says, you tied the mint and the anise and the cumin, but you leave undone the weightier matters of the law. So what Jesus is attacking when he says, you have heard it said, is the Talmud, is all the rules and regulations and explanations and interpretations that have been placed on the law, not the law itself. Because when Jesus was asked about certain things in the law, he said, you keep the law. But Jesus' concern, and this is the heart of the matter, and this is, this is where I could start rambling. This is the heart of the matter. Jesus said what Paul has said in Galatians. Basically, the law was our teacher, our tutor, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And when you are brought to Christ, you don't need the law anymore. Think about that. Think about that. If you are the right kind of person, you don't need the law. Modern day example of that. 
the government of the province of Manitoba currently is writing laws to prohibit people from using their cell phones or being otherwise abstracted, distracted when they are driving their cars. Do you need them to make that law for you? If you have listened at all to the results of distracted driving, you as a Christian person are not going to drive distractedly if it's at all possible to do so. So what are you going to do? You're going to put away your cell phone while you're driving. You don't need that law. And so then it, it makes absolutely real sense. A while back, quite a while back, I heard a British lawmaker discussing British law. And he kind of chuckled and he made a kind of joke of it, but he said, you know, we have 10,000 laws to enforce the Ten Commandments. When I, when I think about that, I think, you know, that's right. Every time people step away from what Jesus said, away from what Christians should be, someone has to write a law to prohibit them from doing that. Hey. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. I came to teach you what the law is all about. So when he, when he turns to these first two commandments and he talks about adultery and he talks about murder, what does he attack? He attacks lust and he attacks anger. Oh, wait a minute. Do you mean it's wrong to get angry? Yes, in the context that Jesus is talking about. When you are angry with your brother and that anger becomes strong enough that you even think about killing him, You are making nonsense of the law. So Jesus' argument is never with the law. His argument is with people. With the attitudes of people. And I'll get along a little more on that in a while. When you examine the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and even further on as he's teaching people, you will maybe notice as I have noticed one particular 
basic thing. And that is that Jesus is laying down principles. Basic, fundamental principles that are to guide the life of the people he's talking to. Now what's wrong with principles? Principles need to be interpreted. They need to be understood in context. I just, it, it's astonishing to me what is happening to our culture. <coughs> the principles of Christian conduct are being thrown out the window. And when people are confronted with them, they say, but that was yesterday, this is today. Think about this for just a minute. Jesus lays down principles of Christian living. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light. He lays down certain principles. The rest of the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul's teaching, are applying those principles in given circumstances. So, he lays down these fundamental principles. This is a moral code. This is a Christian ethic that is to, lie to, that is to guide the lives of Christian people. If you are a Christian this morning, or this afternoon, if you are a Christian, I ask you again the question, are you more Christian today than you were a year ago. And that has nothing to do with how many times you get caught broken the law. It has to do with who you, who you are, your Christian ethic. Jesus, as he gave his teaching, was often confronted by those who didn't understand the principle. And they would ask him a question with, if that's the principle, then how do you apply that principle? Just a couple of examples. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's one of the great commandments, there are two. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does that mean, Jesus? And so he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. How do you interpret that story? If you love your neighbor as yourself, if you interpret that story on the basis of the, of the story of the Good Samaritan, it simply means you are going to do good to those who are in need if at all possible that your Christian ethic is such that you will be available to help people who need help if you can help them. Now you can take incidents in your own life and the life of those you know and apply the principle. 
are you more Christian today than you were a year ago? Jesus said, forgive others as they have forgiven you. The principle of forgiveness. Lord, what does that mean? And so he tells the story of the prodigal son. What does that mean in your life? It means you have an attitude of forgiveness. An ethic, a moral standard of forgiveness. How are we doing? Are you more Christian today than you were a year ago? Circumstances, your circumstances, my circumstances, the culture we live in, the country we live in, the laws we live under, all of these are applicable and can be looked at from a Christian perspective. I think when you look at all of the six instances in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, you have heard it said of old time, but I say unto you, if you look at all six of those, basically what he is saying is this. I came to fulfill the law. Move the law from your head to your heart. I just drove down from Dauphin. Sometime in my life, and I'm not even sure when it was, I determined I was not going to break the speed limit. I don't care whether I was late or whatever, it, was, it had become a part of me that I'm not going to break the speed limit. I don't know how many cars passed me on the way here. And some of them were going awfully fast. Simple example, simple example. I will go as fast as I want until they catch me. That's not the Christian ethic. It's a very simple example. If you want to examine it a little further. I suggest that you read the first chapter of Paul's letter to Rome. In the first chapter of Romans, Paul is saying mankind, in general, mankind has given up on God. They have decided that instead of God, they are going to create things to worship, idolatry, self-worship, 
whatever. And then he says, but whenever that happens, when mankind, when a society gives up on God, it doesn't matter what they substitute for God, if they give up on God, certain things are going to happen in that culture. And I'm not going to take time to read it. But it's an awful list of things. Terrible things. And I tell you what, you turn on your television tonight on any newscast. I don't care where it is originating from. And you will hear of the kinds of things happening that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. The law doesn't work. The law doesn't work. You've heard it said of old time, you shall not. But I say unto you, be positive. Adopt Christian principles. Live by a moral, ethical standard that I will tell you about. One of my, I'd say favorite, it's, it's not really a favorite, one of my, I'm not even sure what word to use. One of the passages that strikes me very, very strongly is Paul's discussion in Romans chapter 7, where he's simply saying it is, I don't do what I know I should do, and I do what I know I shouldn't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Ever been there? Ever had a guilty conscience? Ever felt badly that you haven't done more of what you should have done? I've heard people say that. I wish I had. Or I wish I hadn't. And then Paul turns in chapter 8 of Romans to the solution. The solution of the human dilemma. The solution of living by law is a spirit-filled life. We're not under the flesh, we are under the spirit. How are we doing? Are you more spiritual today? than you were a year ago? Are you allowing the Spirit of God, which was promised to you at your baptism, are you allowing that Spirit to plant within you a Christian ethic, a Christian standard of morality that is guiding you along and you are growing? I don't have time. I, I would like to go to Hebrews chapter 5 and, and chapter 6 where the writer of Hebrews says 
Don't rest on your laurels. Move on. Move on. Well, my time is up. It's the way it goes. But I want to leave you with a reading from Galatians, uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Uh, this should bring back memories because this was the theme of this lectureship last year. And that's one of the reasons I'm asking, are we better Christians today than we were when we heard this a year ago? Galatians chapter 5, beginning 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities. Well, we could pass all of those over, okay? Let's get down to the nitty-gritty now. Strife, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousings, and things like these. But, but, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. You have heard it said of old time, but I say unto you.